We are in our series called Big. Uh, this series this comes out of a word that God gave me, my word for 2020. Didn't know that uh, <laughs> the virus was going to suddenly hit, and then I was thinking, well, how do you how do you think big in the middle of a pandemic? And that's when uh, God said, uh, that's the point. You've got to trust me. And then I sensed that God was just saying, I want you to bring this word to the people of Core Church. And so for the next few weeks, we're talking about dreaming big and praying big and believing big. What are you, what are you dreaming about? Maybe it's that you would find a life mate. Man, am I going to ever find somebody? Maybe it's about a, a career path or, or a, a change in your life or, or the beginning of something brand new that God has for you and what is going to come of this. Or maybe it's, maybe it's a, a college education and getting that diploma or, or maybe it's just simply healing, healing in your life or in your, your family, and you're believing for that. He's a big God, and he has big dreams for you. You may need to write that down. We're going to be talking about that for the next few weeks. He's a big God, and he has big dreams for me. So what have you been dreaming? I, I, by the way, I would love to know what your dreams are. You can email me, brad at corechurch.com. Just email me. What's your dream? I would love for the next 30 days to be praying over your dream for you. I just love to do that personally. Just brad at corechurch.com. Send me your dream. I want to pray over that for you, believing in faith that God's going to do it for you. I, I just love dreams. I love people who dream. I love people who think big, believe big, and pray big. And I know that's who we are here at Core Church. So last week we kicked off the series and we talked about how God has a dream for you. Can you dream big? And we were talking about the children of Israel. The nation of Israel had been led out of slavery. They were in the wilderness and they were preparing to go into this, this land that we know now as the nation of Israel. But at that point they, they didn't have this land. But God said, this is the land I'm promising for you. And they were on the cusp of going into that, that land. And so how do you know your dream is God-given? Well, we, we had four questions, four exploration questions, and we'll put them up so you can, you can see them. Here's, here they were. Will, will my dream be possible or impossible without God? Will, will my dream cost me anything? Will my dream bless others more than it blesses me? And then the really, really difficult one. Will my dream build God's kingdom or my kingdom? So how did you do this week thinking about those four questions? How, as you process those with God, how did you do? I want you to focus on question number one. When you think about your dream, is your dream possible or impossible without God? I want you to just turn for just a moment. I want you to share with somebody here in the room, wherever you are, what was your dream, and is it possible or impossible without God? Share for just a moment with one another. He's a big God, 
and he's got big dreams for you. Let's go to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download version. And this is the story that we've been in from last week. We're going to continue to talk about the nation of Israel and how they were in the, the wilderness. They're on the cusp of going to the promised land. And uh, Moses sends scouts, spies, into the land, 12 of them. And he tells them to uh, scout out the land to see what they needed to do to conquer the land. Not if they would conquer, but how they would conquer. This is so critical to this story and so critical to your dream. It's not if with God, it's how. Turn to somebody and say, it's not if, it's how. Not if. God's going to do it. God is going to have that dream come to life. Let's go to verse 25 because the, the scouts, they come back and they're giving their report and it says this, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But, somebody say but, but. But the people living there, they're powerful and their towns are large, they're fortified. We saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Parasites. They're all there. We all like, the parasites? Is that where that word comes from? I didn't know that was an actual tribe. Come on, people. The Canaanites, there's a lot of ites here. But, come on, somebody say, but. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once, take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But, oh man, there are a lot of buts. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, don't let your butt get in the way. Don't take Oh, man, sometimes our big butt just gets in the way, does it not? But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored, it's going to devour anyone who goes in there to live. All the people we saw, they were huge, huge. So we know who spread that report, don't we? Fake news. <laughs> that was not a political statement, by the way. That's not like, who's he voting for? I wonder what that meant. You don't know. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Anybody want to have some fun today? I, uh, I want to have some fun today. We're going to have some fun today. Turn to somebody and say, let's have some fun today. Let's have some fun. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's, that's what they thought too. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this moment we have to, to settle in and hear how to dream, God. How to dream again. In Jesus' name. And everybody, wherever you are, said, amen. In the house, you can be seated. Well, we're just a couple weeks away from uh, the NFL season. We hope. <laughs> it's going to be weird with stadiums empty. That's going to be weird. 
Um, I believe, though, that's the mercy of God for Cowboy fans because they don't have to watch their team be devoured every week. That's uh, good for those Cowboy fans. But it's just been weird, this sporting season. uh, Like the NFL draft, I'm not a big draft guy. Um, Some people geek out on the draft. I, I seriously don't. But it was really weird. It's usually, if you don't know anything about the NFL draft, I know many of you don't, uh, but they have this big pomp and circumstance, a huge event. It's in New York City, and, and they, they roll out the red carpet. All the potential draft picks show up, and they parade them across the carpet and up front. It's just a huge, huge deal. Well, this year, though, it was, it was virtual. It was weird. It was just on, online. And what's funny is every year at the draft, they, they, they just get it wrong. Like, they have this idea of there's this, there, there are scouts. So if you don't know this about the NFL, the NFL, like any, any sports team, has scouts. So scouts hired by their team, and they watch college players, and they, they rate them and, and on their talent and their ability and whether they can go to the next level. And so every, every year they completely whiff on it. Like, they'll, they'll say, this person is going to be great, the next Hall of Famer, and that guy ends up being a complete bust. And then they'll say, this person is going to be a bust, no one should draft them, they're horrible, and that person goes on to be like a Hall of Famer. It happens all the time. I love, I love seeing that all the time, how they're, they're wrong. And it, for, for example, there was one uh, NFL player who's just an outstanding player, um, and, and this is what they said about this NFL player. L- listen to this. These are actual scouting reports about this NFL player before he was drafted. Poor build, skinny. Lacks great physical stature and strength. This sounds a lot like my social media profile. (laughs) Poor build, skinny, lacks great physical endurance and strength. Yeah, that's me. Lacks mobility and the ability to avoid the rush. Lacks a really strong arm. Can't drive the ball downfield. Does not throw a really tight spiral. Gets knocked down easily. That, That player was Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Perhaps, possibly the greatest player to ever play the game, regardless of whether you like him or not. That's the truth. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. This guy is incredible. Sometimes the scouting report is wrong. Sometimes the scouting report is wrong. What is the scouting report that you are developing right now for your dream? What's the scouting report look like? Because that scouting report might, it might be wrong. In fact, we see this here in Numbers 13. We've got these scouts. Twelve of them are sent out. And they all see the same thing. They see the the possibilities and they see the problems. But but ten of the scouts come back and they say, no, pass. This is not a first-round draft pick. No, we cannot go into the land. But we know now, in hindsight, they were wrong. They they missed it. So how how could ten elite men Okay, these are not just picked out at random. These are highly trained military scouts, the elite of the elite. They go into the land, and they got it wrong, and only two of them got it right. I actually think we find the answer in the next chapter, Numbers chapter 14, where God is speaking about Caleb, and he gives us some insight into Caleb, and he says this about Caleb. Caleb, he has a a what? Say this with me. A what? Different attitude. He has a different attitude than the others have. If you want to see your dream fulfilled, you have to have a different attitude than everyone else around you. John Maxwell says it this way, attitude, attitude determines altitude. 
attitude determines altitude. In, in other words, you are going to rise to the level of your thinking. Whatever you are thinking, that's what you're going to, you're going to rise to. Like if you think you're going to, if you think you're going to fail, if you think about your dream and you think, well, it's probably not going to happen, guess what? It's probably not going to happen. If you, when you think about your dream, if you think about, oh, I just, I don't know, where am I going to get the resources? I don't think I have enough resources. Guess what's going to happen? You won't have enough resources. If you think you're going to hear no, man, if I fill out that college application, I'm just going to hear no. If, if, I, if I go in and I send that resume off, I'm just going to hear no. Guess what you're going to hear? You're going to hear no. I think this is why Paul, in Philippians 4.8, he said, fix your thoughts. Some of us got to fix our thoughts. Turn to somebody and tell them, you got to fix your thoughts. You got to fix those thoughts that you've been having. It's just, some of you, you know that person real well, and you're like, man, your thoughts are all jacked up. You need to be fixing those. There's, I'm tired of hearing your thoughts. Keep them to yourself, okay, and fix them now. Fix your thoughts. Uh, he says this, on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. In other words, he's saying you got to fix your thoughts. So Laura's car right now has a, a check engine light that's on, and I don't know how you deal with the check engine light. I don't deal well with the check engine light. It, I want that thing off. Laura's the complete opposite. She's like, what light? <laughs> that light. And she's like, oh, I wish there were more. It'd just be pretty. It'd just light up the dash. It'd be so pretty. That's a warning light, honey. So I go to my mechanic, and he's like, Brad, it's your gas cap. And so he's like, just turn it. And so I turn it, and the light goes off. Does it stay off? No. Comes back on again. Light's still on. I call my mechanic. I go, hey, the light's still on. Can you fix it? He goes, Brad, bring it. This, this is how my mechanic talks. Talks like this. Name's Kirk. Kirk says, he said, Brad, bring it down. I'll fix it for you. I'll just unplug it. <laughs> I need a new mechanic. For some of us, you have a check engine light going off in your brain, and the answer for you is just to unplug it or ignore it. And what you need to do is fix your thoughts. You've got to fix your thoughts. Write, write this down. Here's, here's the way I want to say this. If, if you want a different outcome, you've got to have a different attitude. If you want a different outcome, you have to have a different attitude. The, the ten spies, they saw what Caleb and Joshua saw, but, but they had a completely different attitude. Look at verse 28 of chapter 13. This is the, the report they gave. The, the people living there, they are what? powerful and their towns are what large and fortified we even saw what it's powerful large fortified there's giants everywhere it's like they've completely forgot what god did back over here in egypt god had delivered them from the most from the the nation that ruled the known world at that time. Nobody was more powerful than Egypt, but God was, and God delivered them miraculously, sent them to the land, and it's like they don't even remember that. It's like, it's like they're looking back at this point right here, and they're like, well, you know, we were, we were beat down and defeated in Egypt for like 400 years. 
we go there, we're going to be beat down and defeated again. They're looking back instead of looking forward. Write this down. How I frame the past, how I frame the past shapes my picture of the future. How I frame the past shapes how I, shapes my picture of the future. So this is a uh, picture of Otis, our uh, Great Dane, and he's a, uh, he's, I love this dog. So this was taken actually, hangs in my office, and it was taken on one of my prayer retreats. And I, I, he was standing there, and I was like looking real majestic, I'm like, I got to get that picture. And I, and I think at home right now, we all have pictures, don't we, that are meaningful to you, pictures of your family, pictures of events, or or maybe you have pictures of animals. You know, you know what's funny is that none of us, none of us frame failure. You ever notice that? Like you ever walked into somebody's house and they've got like a, like they've got a, um, a an eviction notice? Like, yeah, so that's my 30-day notice. Um, taking a collection if you uh, like to help out. Oh, what's that over there? Oh, that over there, that's, those are my divorce papers. Yeah. Worst day of my life. I like looking at that every day to remind me just how horrifically awful that season was in my life. Oh, what's, what's that one over there? Oh, that, uh, yeah, what's the box? Oh, that's, that's when I got laid off at work. Yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy day. All, everything I had right there in that, that box. Like nobody, nobody frames failure. We don't frame failure, and we should not frame failure. But I think this is really honestly how so many people are reacting right now with COVID. They're, they're looking at their past, and they're allowing it to create a picture of the future. The way that most people, including yourself and myself, the reason we're reacting the way we're reacting in the middle of COVID is based primarily on your past experience. People right now with panic and fear and, and stress, why? Because of their past. What's interesting is when you, when you talk to uh, most older people, and they seem to be calmer. They seem to be, most of them, for the most part, are very, very calm. And when you talk to them, you go, why are you so calm in the middle of a pandemic? Especially when it's just going to continue on. And they're like, are you kidding? Are you serious? Go through a world war and then get back to me. They're like, yeah, my parents, they were in the Depression, and they told me stories of coming through the Depression. I've been through a world war when they rationed things, and you couldn't even get sugar or flour or anything because the government needed it. And we had one pan to cook on because the government needed the metal for the tanks over in Europe, so we only had one pan to cook on. And, oh, yeah, then there was that time that leaders were assassinated and killed, and we were in distraught. You know what? We made it through that, and we made it through that, and we made it through that. Oh, yeah, there was that time in the 70s when they had gas rationing. I don't even know what that was. I was just a little boy at the time. But they're like, yeah, you'd line up on a Tuesday. If you didn't get gas on a Tuesday, you weren't going to be getting gas for the rest of the week because that's the day you were allotted by your license plate in order to get gas. Oh, and then 87, the stock market crashed. Everything went upside down. But we made it through it all. God will bring us through this as well. My God carried me before. He'll carry me again. For the last six months, we have all been creating a picture of our future. You have been framing things whether you realize it or not. 
What have you been putting into this frame the last six months? Fear? Doubt? Well, then th- this happened. And then there was, there was this. And there was this. And what happens is you hang this on a peg in your heart and in your mind. And when, when a struggle comes or when it comes to your dream and what you want to do in your life, this picture frame is hanging there to tell you you can't do it. But if you're smart in the middle of this pandemic, you'll start framing the right things. You'll start looking for the good things. Oh, yeah, this is what God did in my family. This is how God carried me. This is what God did. And then this happened and this happened. And then what are you doing there? You're hanging a frame and a picture for the future on a peg in your mind that you will be able to revisit decades from now when you need it and you don't think you can persevere for your dream. I, I want us just to practice this for just a moment. I want you just to think through what, what's, what's something God has brought you through? What's, what's something God's brought you through? A difficult struggle. How did he bring that? How did he bring you through it? Just think about what God has done. Turn to somebody. I want you to just take a moment. Share with somebody next to you. Share with them. What has God brought you through before? I want us to build each other's faith for just a moment. God did this. I went through this, and God did this. Share right now for just a moment with somebody. If you want a different outcome, you got to have a different attitude. As followers of Jesus, we have a different attitude. Why? Because our frame is made up by God. We have God surrounding our lives. So that gives us the ability to have a, a different attitude. Paul also wrote this to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 4.23. He said it this way. Instead, let what? Let the Spirit, let who? Let what? Let the Spirit, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and what? Attitudes. Let Him fix your attitude. Try harder is not a strategy. I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to try not to be negative. Good luck with that one. How long did that last you? As long as you can put breath back in your lungs and get some oxygen back up to your brain and start thinking negative again. It's the Spirit of God who will renew your attitude. Caleb, in verse 30, it says this, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go. Somebody say, let's go. Let's go. Let's go at once. We can take the land, he said. Say this with me and say it full of faith about your dream. We can certainly conquer it. One more time, thinking about your dream. I want you to think about your dream. Get a picture of your dream right now in your mind. What is it you're dreaming? What is it you're believing for? What do you want to see God do in your life? Are you ready? Now let's say this again together. We can certainly conquer it. That's a good place to give God some praise and say, thank you, God, for the dream you put in me. (laughs) Write this down. Don't let today's problems 
overshadow tomorrow's possibilities. Don't let today's problems overshadow tomorrow's possibilities. Caleb and Joshua, they were aware of the problems. They knew there were problems. They just had a different attitude. They, they trusted God despite what they saw. They trusted in the promises. If you're a parent, every parent at some point, if you're not a parent, and one day if you plan to be a parent, here's a phrase you're going to have to learn because you're going to say it a lot. When your kid comes to you, you're going to say this. Hey, watch your attitude. I just write it down if you're not a parent yet. Put it in your bank because you're going to use it at some point. I remember when I, remember when I used this with Skye. Now, she's a grown woman now, but when she was six years old, I said something to her, and she just looked at me and went, oh. Oh, no, you did not. You just, you just rolled your shit, and then she looked right back at me and went, oh. Oh, and I said, watch your attitude. I, I think we need to take our own advice. You've got you to gotta watch your attitude. Turn to somebody and tell them, watch your attitude. You've got to watch your attitude. You're going to face giants. You're going to have insurmountable ob uh, obstacles, and you've got to watch your attitude. So how do you do that? I want to give you some practical things as, as we close here and, and, and that I think are going to help you to have the right attitude. So if you want a different outcome, you've got to have a different attitude. So how do I have a different attitude? It does, it's not going to happen from wishful thinking. It's not going to happen because you try harder. It's not even going to happen because you listen to a 25-minute message. Well, you know, I listened to that message on Sunday, and man, that Pastor Brad, wow, he just brought it. Man, I was so encouraged of the Lord, and I just went out of there so full of faith, and my shoulders were squared, and thus saith the Lord, and the power of God was upon me. And then I got to my car. <laughs> a lot of people don't want to do the hard work. I want to see your dream become a reality. I believe in the dream that God's put in you. But you got to understand that you have an enemy, and he's coming full force at you. Because he wants to see that God-given dream in your life become a reality. So you got to make up your mind today. Am I going to do the hard work? Am, am I going to do what it takes in order to keep the right attitude, the right mi mindset? Am I going to fix my thoughts? Here's, here's how you do it, okay? Three ways and I'm going to call this frame the day. I, this is three ways to frame the day. This is, by the way, this is out of my own life. This is something I do every day. And, and you, you don't have to do it verbatim, but this is work for me. And I want to pass it along to you because it's been such a help for me. This is how I frame the day every day. Number one, write this down, have a daily devotion. Have a daily devotion. Wow, that, man, i got to write that down, preacher. Wow, read the Bible. Haven't heard anybody say that before. That was powerful. Glad I got up, got dressed, got the kids here, and drove all the way across town. Man, did you hear what he said? Have a daily devotion. I have never heard a pastor say that before. Well, yeah, I'm just that gifted. I, uh, God immerses me. You got to fill your mind full of God's truth. You got to fill your mind. Listen, you you got to let God speak over your life. You, you don't know how to work out your dream. 
I just was reading the Proverbs this morning. It said, hey, you know, people make their plans, but God orders their steps. And I'm like, that is so true. That is so true. And I want to follow the steps of God, not my plans. My plans, they are about this small. God's steps are massive. My plans are small. God's steps are massive. And all I want to do is I want to leap with him that wherever he's going, I'm going. The only way you know how to do that, I'm telling you, is every day to be in the word. And let it get in you every day. Dr. Henry Cloud, he talked about, he says, it's like this. You know when you're watching a movie, like uh, I love the, the Bourne series, Jason Bourne. And Jason Bourne, like in the middle of it, he's got himself in this predicament. And he's in over his head and it looks like he's going to die and something bad's going to happen. And, and, and then you pause. You ever pause it on Netflix and then it shows you the different frames? And when you pause it, you can pull back and you look and you see where Jason Bourne has been, the craziness of what he's in, but you also see where he's going. That's what a daily devotion will do for you. A daily devotion is to stop, pull back, and let God show you this is where you've been, this is where you are, hang on, this is where I'm taking you. This is what I have planned for you. And that's how you don't get stuck in that frame. you got to have a daily devotion. Check your inbox today. In your inbox is our daily devotion. Look at social media. You'll see the, the daily devotion. We've got one. Dream big is the one for this week and, and how God can use that for you. So have a daily devotion. The second thing is this. Um, have a daily high five. Have a daily high five. Sometimes you got to give yourself a high five because ain't nobody else to give you a high five, okay? Like right now, just in the house, wherever you are right now, give yourself a high five. Come on, just do it. High five yourself. Yeah, that's just weird, isn't it? It just feels awkward. This is why you won't want to do this because this is one of the most awkward things you will ever do. Write down the good from your day. Write down the, the good that God does. But we call it, we do this thing around our, our dinner table, what, what was your high of the day? And I've expanded it now, and I get up every morning, and I write down the five good things that happened the day before. My high five from Saturday. Why do I do that? Because I'm about to start my day. So many of you, you start your day by, you're not even out of bed, and you grab your phone. You're checking your notifications and you're scrolling social media and all you're seeing, even before you get out of bed, they got a better life than me. They got better kids than me. Their husband's way more handsome than my husband. Look at the way they're dressed. Wow, look at their vacation. And everybody else has a more amazing life than you've ever had. And even before you get out of bed, you're completely discouraged. I start every day. I have a journal and I just, I'll share with you, here's, here, like, I, every day I write down, what are the high five from yesterday? Here's, here's mine from yesterday, okay? From yesterday, number one, coffee on the back porch with Lara. Oh, my goodness. Got up in the morning, she came out, we had some hot coffee and just sat there looking. It was beautiful. Number two, I said, working in the yard and my garden. I was a sweaty mess, dirt, grind on my face, on my knees, in the gloves. All day long, I was out in 95-degree heat, loving every minute of it. It was amazing. Number three, I said, roasting coffee. Yesterday, I just went on the back porch and I roasted coffee. It was something good. It happened in my day. I said, oh, washing my truck and washing Otis, two of my favorite things in this world. Number five, this was so great, the Guatemala video from George, her brother. So last night at the, when we were having dinner together, um, we saw a video. So, you know, we've been, we, your, your financial contributions have been going directly to help people who are starving right now in Guatemala because of the pandemic. They're not working. They have no money. 
and 1,700 people right now are, are starving to death. And last night he put a video up on the Send Me page, and we watched this video, and the first truckload of food was coming in. And he had all the food that they're getting. And this week, listen to this, because of your financial generosity, this week they are taking food to 1,700 people who are going to be eating in the midst of a pandemic. I can tell you, when I wrote things down like that, I was like, man, I've got a good life. Man, how good things are happening in my life. I know what's coming up against me, but man, my God is going to bring me through. You've got to get a, a high five. You've got to get a new mindset. And so I begin my day by writing it down. Then the end of my day, end of my day, I get on my knees by my bed. Some of you know this is my practice. And I, and I read a psalm, and then I go back and I rehearse my day. I go back through my day, and I find five things that were good about my day. I can tell you it's a fight. Because I'll be kneeling by my bedside, and I'll be like, I'll be kneeling by the bed, and I'll just be like, yeah, God, I just thank you for the, the good thing. And then, uh, man, Otis, when he was shaking, he got me just soaking wet. What was that all about? Man, God, and oh, thank you, God, for helping me pay the bills. The bills. But that one bill, are we ever going to pay that off? God, in Jesus' name, help us pay that. Are we, that we're going to have that bill forever. And you, what happens is your mind immediately goes to the negative. You immediately go to, and that, that is not a time to bring your request to God. you got to fight against that, and what you have to do is just go rehearse. This is what happened. This is the good, and this was good, and this was good, and this was good. Why should you do that? Because you need a good night's rest. Because you need to sleep in peace because the next day is coming, and you're going to have to chase your dream with energy and strength, and it comes from sleeping. All right, number three. I'm, I'm, I'm way into overtime here. Here we go. Number three. Get around some positive people. Get around some positive people. Some of you need to get on your social media platform, and you need to defriend or hide ten spies, ten scouts that have nothing but a bad report all over social media. Like, here's the thing. It was so funny, sometimes here's what we'll say. Man, I've just been on social media, and I just can't believe what people are saying. That's just crazy. I mean, they're just being so mean-spirited, and they're just being so hateful. Block them. You don't have to hear it. You're acting like you're defenseless, like, I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I don't know how to keep it coming into my life. Shut it off. I did this two weeks ago. I deleted the apps off my phone. I didn't delete my accounts, but I said, I'm tired of looking at social media. It's just, it's just painting a picture of my life that I don't need right now. I'm deleting it. I'm, I'm done with it. For a season, I'm just not going to be on it that much. And I have defriended and I have hidden some of y'all. That's you all. I'm kidding. I have not done that. Some of you are like, did he say that? Because I did post that one bad thing about that thing, and I was just wondering. Because I, I know it's real. I know it's real. You're going to have some positive people that are in your corner that are encouraging you, that are cheering you on. When we were doing the free groceries that we were giving away a couple weeks ago, I was uh, greeting some of the cars as they were coming up, and there was this one mom, she's in, uh, in a minivan, she looks like that typical soccer mom, you know, and she's just in the minivan, and she's got three little ones in the back seat, all of them in car seats, and I was like, whoa, I was just making small talk. I was like, man, this is crazy. Are these all yours? And she's like, yes, they are. And I go, man, that is just crazy. She said, yeah, it is. And I go, and then with what's happening with school, man, this is, your life has just got to be just crazy right now. She goes, yes, it is. And she said, and on top of that, I'm a respiratory therapist. 
I said, what? And she said, yeah, I, um, I go in and I work the overnight shift. And I'm on the COVID unit. And so when I come home, I have to strip everything off and shower down. And then I have to, and she just looked at me with this idea of like, and then I got my, my little ones here. And I said, wow, thank you. I haven't met anybody yet that's, wow, thank you. Thank you. And, and so all of a sudden I just felt like God said, get everybody around. Get everybody around. So I had everybody come around her car, and I said, hey, guys, this lady right here is every night helping people dealing with COVID. She's walking the floors. Come on, let's thank her. Let's appreciate her. Let's love on her. Let her know we appreciate her. And everybody just went nuts. And this mom just broke. And she started to pull off, and then she stopped. Because she's weeping so much and she's like trying to wipe back the tears that we need to be there for one another. We need to be encouraging one another. We need to be supporting one another. This is why I say don't be alone right now. Like some of you right now, you're online, but you're alone and you're like, yeah, but I got my family. That's not enough. Man, you need to be in a core group. You need to be in a neighborhood gathering. You need to be in a Zoom gathering. You need to get around people. You got to fight for that, but I'm all Zoomed out. So what? Zoom up, people. Come on, let me get around some people that will encourage you, that will support you. This is why we think it's so important for you right now to get into a core group, whether that's in person or online. However you do that, you need the support around you because if you want a different outcome, you got to have a different attitude.